Hi, I'm Tracy Kitten with Information Security Media Group. I'm here with John Carlson of the FSISAC. John, we've talked about information sharing, threat intelligence, cross-industry information sharing, but I'd like to start off our discussion looking more at the public-private partnerships. You and I have spoken about this in the past, but you recently mentioned that the FSISAC is doing quite a bit of work to help educate the industry about cyber issues from the CEO all the way down to someone in an administrative level. Absolutely. And it, actually, it's one of the great things about the financial services sector is that we have looked at cyber as a CEO-level issue, a board-level issue. Uh, we've also been working very diligently with the practitioners in order to provide that mechanism to share information about threats and vulnerabilities and events. It also includes you know, extensive collaboration with a number of government agencies, whether it's law enforcement, whether it's Treasury Department, Homeland Security Department, to make sure we have a good awareness of the threats that are impacting other sectors that may impact the financial services sector. And it's through this um, strength and sharing that we're able to better protect customers at the end of the day. So along that vein, John, let's talk a little bit about some of the changing roles of executives that we see. So cyber is now a boardroom issue, and that's impacting the role of the CISO. How do you see the role of the CISO changing or evolving? In many cases, the CISO um, is reporting directly to the CEO, uh, or at least reporting up to the head of uh, risk management. Uh, So you're seeing much greater interaction between the CISOs and the senior executives, as well as the board of directors. Uh, Each organization needs to figure out what works best for them so you don't find a uniform uh, organizational structure, but you're certainly seeing much greater direct either reporting or direct um, interaction with the CEOs and the boards. And let me give you an example. Years ago, your CISO may, may get maybe 15 minutes to 30 minutes on the board agenda. In some cases, now they're getting four hours on a board agenda where they're going through a deep dive of the controls, the risks that are out there. So the CISOs are definitely getting more of the love, if you will, from the, uh, the C-suite and the board of directors. How common is it to get four hours before the board in the financial services space? Uh, in the past, it was exceedingly rare, mm-hmm. but this just goes to show you how cyber is a top issue, a top risk management issue, a top rep- reputational risk issue, uh, and a regulatory compliance issue. So if you combine all of those three together, that makes it uh, very much a, a top CEO-level issue. Now, you mentioned that CISOs, more often than not, are now reporting to chief information risk officers or chief, chief risk officers or CEOs directly. Are we in the process of making that transition in the financial services space, or is that a transition that has already been made? Um, I think it's been an evolution. Uh, we certainly see more of that as organizations rethink what's the best way for them to manage the the cyber-related risks. Um, So it's not a uniform approach, but it's certainly something that each organization is looking to see what's the best structure for them. What about business email compromise attacks? I know we've talked in the past about phishing attacks and some of the porting of mobile numbers and how that's helped to facilitate some of these business email compromise losses. And again, this isn't necessarily something that banking institutions control because this is really something that's happening on the commercial side. But the onus in some part is on banks to detect some of this and stop it. Yeah, we've been working really closely with our members and also in partnership with law enforcement, the FBI in particular, to raise awareness of the threats of business email compromise. It's basically you know, a modern form of, of wire fraud, and it's something that we're trying to educate the community around the signs in terms of phishing emails that could lead to the takeover of an account. 
as you mentioned, you know, in some cases the fraudsters are so sophisticated that they figure out how to port the cell phone number of the executive, whether it's the CEO or the chief financial officer, and they'll do a lot of social engineering in terms of sending emails or making these requests at you know inopportune times or at times when uh, employees of the bank may be likely to say yes and proceed with it because it's coming directly from the CEO. So it really gets into that trust and, and uh, lines of authority um, uh, portion. So that's where we're trying to raise awareness of. Be mindful of these risks. Um, if you are a victim of it, work closely with law enforcement, um, and uh, hopefully you'll get a better outcome. What about ransomware attacks, John? How do you see those evolving, and what are some of the new risks there? Well, the ransomware attacks is where you know a party takes control of certain data you might have and, and encrypts it, and then we'll come back and say, we want you to pay a ransom, oftentimes in Bitcoin, in order for us to unencrypt the information and return it to you. Uh, so it's something multiple industries have been dealing with, including the financial sector. And so we've been trying to also raise awareness of these types of attacks and what are strategies that organizations can take in order to mitigate it, including working with law enforcement. And then one final question for you before we close, just going back to the information sharing piece, cross-industry information sharing has been a new focus probably over the last 18 to 24 months, and the launch of this new retail ISAC is something that the FS ISAC has been very involved in, but you're also working with other industries as well. Correct. So for many years, we've worked closely through the National Council of ISACs with the other critical infrastructure uh, information sharing organizations. In recent years, we've also provided opportunities in which we can provide support to other sectors that want to create their own information sharing and analysis uh, organizations or centers. And I know that's a new term, ISALs versus ISACs. An example of that is we are working with the retail sector. We are providing services to them as they create their own version of an information sharing organization. Uh, we are also supporting the oil and natural gas uh, sector as well. Uh, as well as the, um, the major law firms that have also been the victims of cyber attacks. So it's through this support and collaboration that we are helping other industries leverage the value of voluntary information sharing uh, and to also understand when there are threats that cut across multiple sectors, there's greater awareness of those threats so that we as a community, the good guys, so to speak, can be more effective in responding. Yeah, and I think you made a good point there about the law firms having their own ISAC. I've been hearing more and more about the third-party risks that are associated there with law firms, but also just the fact that they're being targeted more often than their clients. And particularly with law firms because they have a lot of very sensitive information, uh, intellectual property, deal information. Uh, so for many firms, um, well, for the adversaries, it's a data-rich environment to go after, and law firms are aware of this, and I think they're responding responsibly to develop their own information sharing capabilities. Which is always good to hear. Absolutely. Well, John, I want to thank you again for your time. Thank you, Tracy. Again, we've just heard from John Carlson of the FSISAC. For Information Security Media Group, I'm Tracy Kitten.